I'm glad to be here today. Anybody else? Anybody else? It's a good day. It's a good day. God is amazing. He's doing amazing things for us, to us. Anybody? Through us. All those things. He is working on our behalf. He's working for us. And he's using us to affect change in other people's lives. And that's what it's all about. And today we're talking about the thrill of hope. The thrill of hope. If you don't have hope or haven't had hope, you know what that feels like. And when you do have hope, you know what that feels like. And one is definitely better than the other. Most definitely better to have hope than not to have hope. Right? We're one week away from Christmas. One week and one day. Next Sunday is Christmas Eve. And I have had the question asked, are we going to have church on Christmas Eve? We are celebrating Jesus. It's his birth. It's Christmas. So yes, 10 a.m. next Sunday morning, you want to be here. It's going to be special. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. And we're going to have church and celebrate Jesus on Christmas Eve next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. How's that? Good. I'm happy today to have Bishop and Lucy back with us from Fiji. Everybody give a hand. We have missed them, and they have been doing some amazing things that we will hear about later. But we are glad that they're back with us. They've been gone, I think, about six months, something like that. So it's been a, it's been a long but fast six months. Um, because once, if you're young, you don't understand this. But once you hit a certain age... Time just goes in warp speed, and, and it never slows down again. And you wonder, where, where did it go, and what's going on? With my, what happened to my life? Right? Okay. And I'm only about halfway there, I hope. But, you know, it, it, it just goes fast. But I have hope. I have hope. The thrill of hope today. I have, you know, as I thought about this, as I, as I prepped for this, and I thought about, I, I my... Personally, I'll get a sentence out in a minute. Me personally, I have a hard time articulating what hope means to me. If you try to, art, if you try to put words to it, what is hope to you? What, how does that make you feel? I, I can describe the feelings. I know how I feel when I feel hope, and I know how I feel when I don't have hope. But it's hard for me to describe Maybe that's just me. I don't know. It, the, the, the clinical definition is a feeling of expectation of something of, to happen, an optimistic attitude. And I guess that fits. But for me, it's, it's hard for me to put what hope means into words. We, we hope for lots of things, especially this time of year. Right, kids? We have kids in here. You hope for lots of things. Xboxes, PS4, clothes, bikes. As you're older, clothes and shoes and things you need. And, and stuff like that. We hope for lots of things, and we, we hope for things that sometimes feel out of reach. Who's had that kind of hope before? You're hoping for a promotion. You're hoping for a new job. You're hoping for reconciliation. You're hoping for all kinds of things that, that may, feel, they may feel really far away. And we hope for things that we don't have. We don't hope for what we do have because we have it. In Romans 8, Scripture says, For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes what they already have? Nobody. But if we hope for what we do not ha- yet have, we wait for it patiently. And that doesn't describe me. I'm not a patient person, if you don't know that about me. I'm not at all. 
and I'm not about to pray for them, so I'm just satisfied with that part of my life being the way it is. Hope keeps us when times are tough. Who's been in a situation where all you had was hope? Where things were dark and things were bleak and things were sideways and, and whatever your situation was, maybe jobless, moneyless, friendless, familyless, whatever it, whatever it was, a dark time, sometimes hope is, is all you have. Hope is looking for more when there's really less around. Hope is wanting better when things are worse. Hope is believing. Hope is believing. Don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling. There was a time when hope was scarce. In the Old Testament, Israel was in this constant cycle of disobedience and punishment. And, and it, was, it was then that hope entered the scene. And, and back in Isaiah, when, when he wrote about the birth of Jesus, it, he, the, Jesus wasn't born then. Understand that. But he was telling about what was going to happen. And in uh, chapter 7, he said, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then in Isaiah 9, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, telling you who he's going to be, who he is, who, all, who he already was, Right? The everlasting what? Father, thank you. The Prince of Peace. Isaiah telling about who is going to come and save the world. He is, in Isaiah, delivering hope. Right then he delivered hope that, that God is coming to save the world. Hope came at that point in the form of a prophecy. It gave the hopeless something to look for. It was the promise that... Someone was coming to save them from the cycle they were perpetuating through generations. Does anybody have any experience with cycles perpetuating themselves through generations? Or words being spoken over you like, well, your dad was an alcoholic, your grandfather was an alcoholic, guess what you're going to be? Right? Or this person was broke and this person's broke, guess what you're going to be? You're going to be just like them, no good. Well, how about we start breaking some cycles because we have, we have the hope giver here today. We can stop some cycles of poverty. We can stop some cycles of addiction. Stop some cycles of abuse. Anything that you need to break can be broken because the hope is here. And you, you can experience the thrill of hope that can change your life. Hope was what carried the wise men that Pastor Andrew talked about last week on a months-long journey to find Jesus. It wasn't just because they wanted to ride their camels for a few months. That had to hurt. They had hope that they were going to have an encounter. They were going to experience Jesus Christ. The hope in this message in Isaiah carried God's people. It wasn't two weeks. You know, we get a, we get a promise or somebody tells us we're, or we're expecting a paycheck or a bonus or something that somebody's going to do for us. And we expect to have it today or tomorrow or next week by the latest, right? Or maybe on the outside a few months. This promise had to carry them from the time this prophecy was given from Isaiah until the time Jesus was born. How many? 800 years. That's a minute. This guy's coming to save the world. Talk to the children. This guy's coming to save the world. Talk to their children. What's the generation? 42 years? Something like that? 
What's 800 divided by 42? A little less than 20 generations. 20 generations holding on to hope. Jesus is coming. Wonderful. Counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace, everlasting Father. This guy is coming. 20 generations. And I have a hard time with two weeks. I'm just being honest. I have a hard time with two weeks, and they're talking 20 generations of people waiting for this promise, waiting, experiencing, sharing, passing down from generation to generation this thrill of hope. This guy's coming. He's going to save the world from his sins. This is what's coming. So now let's fast forward 800 years. Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man. Notice the verbiage. To a virgin pledged to be married. She is engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Another prophecy fulfilled. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So 800 years from the time that Isaiah wrote, here's an angel appearing to Mary, this girl that was engaged, had never been with a guy. It's like, you're highly favored. You're going to conceive and bear a son. And then he reiterated all that kind of stuff. So let's, let's put this in perspective. 2017. I'll get there in a minute. <laughs> we have to understand at this point that Mary had a prophecy. She was holding on to the same hope that was held on to 15 generations before. And suddenly here's this angel telling her that she is the one that hope is coming through. She is the one that's going to... That, that's gonna, Birth this child that's going to save the world. But she had the prophecy. So even though it didn't make sense, even though it seemed outlandish, she knew people were going to laugh at her, make fun of her, or even worse, it seemed too big for her. Think about the, the, the mind, the mental somersaults that had to happen right then. She left there knowing that she was the one that would bring hope to the world. The birth of Jesus was the paradigm shift from a hopeless, sinful existence to the chance to walk with a Savior daily in grace, forgiven, saved, in God's favor. It was the thrill of hope. And this is the reason why we celebrate Christmas. It's not just... To give and receive gifts, and that's pretty awesome. It's not just an excuse to eat a lot of good food. I like that too. It's not just a time to stop our absolutely crazy schedules to spend a couple days with friends and family, and I need that. It's a time to stop and celebrate the birth of hope, the paradigm shift that changed the world, and it's time to experience and maybe re-experience the thrill of hope in our lives. It's time to stop and realize that through us, Jesus continues, continues to spread the message of hope 2,000 years later from when he was born. birth of Jesus was a huge paradigm shift in the world and us beginning a relationship with him is a paradigm shift in our lives because we get to experience hope like we never had before in our life think about the ramifications of of Mary's message when she went back home 
Yeah, the encounter with the angel was crazy. It was supernatural. It was awesome. But Mary had to go home. And I can't imagine as a dad how I would feel if, if my 15-year-old came home and said, Dad, I met with an angel. And this angel said, I'm pregnant. Think about it, parents. And no, Dad, I've never been with a guy before, but I'm pregnant. It would all break loose. <laughs> Think about it. In 2017, how would we receive that message? How would we respond or even how would we react to that? The words that would be said, the accusations that would be made, and the things that would stem from that. That was what Mary had to go home to. She had to go tell her fiancé that she was pregnant and he knew the baby wasn't his. But Joseph had the same prophecy. He had the same hope that Mary had. And through God helping him understand and what he knew, he made the leap. Thank God he made the leap. And they raised Jesus after he was born. They had hope. Right before the angel left, he said to Mary in Luke chapter 1, For God, for with God nothing shall be impossible. The NIV says no word from God will ever fail. Nothing will be impossible with God. And no word from God will ever fail. I love that. No matter where you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ. No word from him will fail. Nothing is impossible with God. I feel like today that some of us in this room need to understand this and we need to own it. A prophecy carried God's people for 800 years. 800 years. You need to hear this today and let it carry you until your situation changes. Until your circumstances improve. Let the thrill of hope lift your spirits. You've got to understand that the promises God ha has, has given you, has promised you, they are for you. And if he promised it to you, it will happen. It will happen. Financial relief is for you. And if it's been promised to you, it will happen. What does the scripture say? If my people, if, if. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. When we, when we pursue God with everything in us, when we give him everything that we are and everything that we hope to be, that means my future. That means my college major. That means my relationships. That means my career. When I give him everything and say, God, I want to be what you want me to be. And I want to do what you want me to do. He'll blow your mind. He will blow your mind and you will have hope like you've never experienced hope before in your life. All the things that God has promised you will happen and they are for you. He'll bring you help. He'll bring forgiveness to you. He'll, he'll let you win. Does anybody ever, you just felt like you need a win? You've been beat up, you're punch drunk, things just aren't going right. 
Like, I just, God, I just need to win once in a while. With God, nothing is impossible. And no word from God will ever fail. Some of us need to stop listening to negative influencers in our lives. The negative words that are spoken over you, the defeat that is spoken over you, the people that try to keep you in your place. When you hook up with Jesus and you're following him and you experience his favor in your life, let me tell you something. Favor is not fair. When, when God gives you favor in your life, he'll take you places that people said you can't go. And he'll have you doing things that people said you would never, ever do. Why? Because you gave your life to him and you're pursuing him and you're, you, you're giving him everything you've got. And he'll take you places that people said you couldn't go, have you doing things that people said you couldn't do, and you're going to blow people's minds. Why? Because you simply are following Jesus and he's got his favor on your life. If, if my people, if we pursue him, if we give him our life, if we live for him, all those things will happen for us. Believe it or not, all the people that speak the negative things in your life, they don't, they don't all want what's best for you. Many of them want to just keep you where you are so they can feel good about themselves. Or they want to commiserate with you on that level. Because, A, misery loves company. And we've all seen or heard about the crabs in the crab pot. When the water gets turned on, it's boiling, it's really hot, and they're all miserable. And one stands on the other one and claws his way to the top, and he's about to get out. They just pull him right back down in there. They're like, where do you think you're going? You're one of us. You don't belong out there. And our friends, and even, God help us, some of our family... Right? They want to keep us right there in that boiling water where, it, where it's, it's uncomfortable, where we know it, we're, we're going to get in trouble, where things aren't good for us, and we're just trying to climb out and get to higher ground. And they want to pull us back down with, with negative words spoken o- over us like, you'll never amount to anything. You're going to be just like this person. Or you can't do that. You're not, you don't have the education. You don't have the right background. You don't, you're not good enough for that. That's a bunch of junk. You need to stop listening to that stuff. Silence that mess in your life. If they can't speak life over you, don't let them speak to you. That's harsh. But if you can't lift me up, you don't have you don't have to just tell me how great I am. But if you can't, if you want to speak death over me, I'm not going to listen to you. Because I don't have time for that. Because I'm trying to get somewhere. I got things to do people to see and i got blessings to get i'm just being honest i want everything god has promised me and if i'm listening to negative people if i'm letting them have a voice in my life and i'm taking ownership of that mess my hope is gone and he is who my hope is in and if, I, if, if I'm detached from that by what's being spoken over me, I don't experience that thrill of hope, and I've got to have that in my life. Because that thrill of hope carried people for 800 years. It's going to carry me through my life. It's the hope through Jesus Christ. Everybody say, I have hope. I have hope. I have hope. I have hope. Psalm 31 says, Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. All ye that hope 
in the Lord. He will strengthen your heart, all you that hope. And don't give up. Don't quit. That should not, that should not be part of our vocabulary. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. With God, I just me and him, I got a majority. I can do anything that he calls me to do, anything I need to do. Why? Because he's with me. And nothing is impossible to me. And no word from God will ever fail. It's, that's the hope we have. That flies in the face of the negativity around us. You can't turn on the radio, the television. You can't fire up your computer and open whatever your homepage is without seeing something negative. Without seeing something horrific. Especially in the last 30 days. It's crazy. If you put your hope in movie stars, sorry. Musicians, sorry. Politicians, God help you. They're all liars. I don't care if you're Tea Party, Libertarian, Democrat, Republican, they all lie. They don't have your best interest at heart. Don't put your, don't put your hope in them. Put your hope in Jesus Christ. Because he's the only one that's really, really, really looking out for you. Don't give up. Don't, let, don't, don't say it's not worth it because it is. Don't say you can't do it because you can. Don't say it won't work out because it will. Why? Because I have hope. Even in the darkest, nastiest times, I have, you can, you can be in, in a dark, deep spot. And there's just something that can rise up in your spirit. And you know things aren't always going to be that way. Why? Because I have hope. My hope is in him. My faith is in him. And I know he's going to bring me through whatever I'm in. Imagine Job in the middle of his losing his, his crops, his animals, his barns burning. His kids are dead. He's got his wife, and, and she's telling him to curse God and die. And his friends are sitting across from him saying, Job, what did you do to take God off? He's mad at you. And he knew he hadn't done anything wrong. He just simply said, when he's finished with me, I'm going to come through this like, with, like gold. I'm, that's hope. And he didn't have God's spirit living inside of him. He did not have what we have. He said, but I'm going to come through this as, like, as pure gold and true to form. When that trial was over, God blessed Job with exactly twice as much as he had before. That's who our hope is in. That's who has promised to take care of us. Don't give up. Don't quit. Let the thrill of hope carry you. Feel the hope of possibility, of change, of better days. I can't tell you when it's going to come. I can only tell you that it's going to come. It won't be 800 years. But it's going to change. It's going to come. You're going to get through what you're going through right now. Hold on to your hope. But be careful. Because God's promises rarely come in the form that we think they should come in. Rarely what, he's, what, what he will do in your life may not look like you thought it would or maybe even like you think it should. But when he does it, it's miraculous. And it's amazing. And it will be everything that you need and more because he is the God of exceeding abundantly above what we ask or think.
our takeaway today should be this. The thrill that we have hope in the promises of God and what God has promised, it will happen. It's very simple. You should walk out of here today knowing what I need in my life, what God has promised me is coming. It will happen. It will happen. It's already happening. How about that slideshow today in that song? Isn't that awesome? I was trying to see the words and stuff, but I, I got misty. Something in my eye. Speck of dust or something. I don't know what that was. Amazing. And to think that we've baptized 23 people in a quarter. Blows my mind. It's happening right in front of our eyes. Is it happening the way we thought it would? Maybe not. But guess what? It's happening, and not just happening as a, at, at the corporate level. It's happening in individual lives. Life change is happening. You don't get to hear all the stories, but you're going to. You better set aside February. <laughs> you better set it aside because it's going to be stinking awesome. I said stinking. It's my awesome vocabulary. You don't get to hear all the stories and hear the testimonies and see all the little, bit, little bits of incremental steps of life change, but, but we get to. And what God is doing right now in people's lives is amazing. Something big is coming for us as individuals because people are dedicating their lives to God. They're giving themselves, as Scripture says, wholly to the work of the Lord. So big things will happen when you do that. But guess what? Because you're doing that and you experience big things, guess who else gets to experience big things? Corporately, our church, our community gets to experience big things. It's happening already. Sometimes it's difficult. I gotta hurry. Through ups and downs and lives and curves and twists, it's, 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 and the good and bad, it's difficult to maintain hope. Psalm 71 says, As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. Psalm 20 says, I some trust in chariots and some in horses. Keep in mind, they didn't have cars. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Where's your hope today? In whom are you trusting? If it's in yourself and your ability to fix things, do we have any fixers? Yeah, me. You can't fix everything in your life. I don't know how many times. There's, there's one guy in particular I've been trying for 20 years to get this guy to come to church. He's like, he keeps saying, I got some things to take care of first. I'm like, dude, it's been 20 years. If you can't do it, if you can't get those things under control and fix those things, maybe you should be seeking some more help than what you think you can do. We can't fix everything. We don't have all the solutions. We don't have all the ways and means to get it done. But we know the hope. We know the hope. And if you don't, see, that, that, that guy doesn't have hope. He's out there trying to do it all by himself. He's trying to stop this. He's trying to stop this, be a better person. He will for a week or two or a month or maybe two. But guess what? Then he's not because he can't do it by himself. But I have hope. And that hope gives me a thrill because I know I don't have to do it by myself. You realize the freedom of release in this moment when you realize that you can't do it by yourself. And you simply say, God, I can't. 
I can't fix it. I can't do it. I can't be this person. I need you to help me. At that moment, you say, when you realize that you can't, because his strength is made perfect in our weakness. At the end of our rope is where he begins. So when we say, I can't do this, I can't fix it, when we get to that breaking point, and sometimes it's a hard moment for us, because sometimes we have to get all the way down, and in a pig pen, like the prodigal son was, and in a mess, and wreck our lives, and wreck other people's lives. But when we get to that moment, we, we realize... So it's better if you realize this before you get there. Make it easier on yourself. But when we realize we cannot do this by ourselves and we cannot fix everything and we relinquish control. Any control freaks? Thank you. One of them. Two. Yeah. Little hand slipping up all over the place. When we relinquish control... And say, God, I can't do this. I need help. That's when things change. That thrill of hope starts to seep into our life. When we understand what he wants to do for us and what he wants. See, it's not just about you. It is about you. But it's not just about you. He wants to save you. He wants, Jesus came to this earth so that we could have life and have it how? More abundantly. If you're not having abundant life, why? That's what Jesus came for. So if you're not, if you don't, if you don't, if you're in this room and you're not experiencing abundant life, you should be. Doesn't mean everything's perfect, but you got that thrill of hope that things are going to get better and God's working on your behalf. But when you get to that breaking point, say, I can't do this by myself. You give it to God. There is such a freedom in knowing that you are no longer responsible for the outcome. Who's ever felt like everything hinges on you and you're responsible for everything and you carry everything? I'm talking to myself right now, sorry. When you get to the point where you say, God, this is, this is above me, this is hard, this is, I can't do this. I need your help. And you give that thing, whatever it is, you give it to God and say, God, I need your supernatural help to do this and to get through this. You are no longer responsible for the outcome. All you have to do is take the steps that are ordered for you. And as you walk those steps, as you walk that path, man, that's when radical change happens in your life. And that's when things, the doors start opening that you didn't knock on. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And some of y'all want to know what I'm talking about. Just listen. And then do it. Don't be a, just a hearer of the word. Be a doer of the word. When you relinquish control and say, God, I can't do it, that's when he steps in and things get crazy. Because he's going to take you where people said you couldn't go. And he's going to have you doing things that people said you couldn't do. Why? Because favor is not fair. And once you experience that, you'll never want to let go of it.